Johnson County continues to work towards population immunity, but some remain hesitant to get the vaccine. On this episode here, why young adults are choosing to get vaccinated and the opportunities available to them. Whether you live in or just love Johnson County, Kansas, JOCO On The Go has everything Johnson County. Here's what's happening and what's coming up in the community you call home. Thanks for joining us for JOCO On The Go. I'm your host, Teresa Frieda, Johnson County resident and employee of Johnson County government. According to CDC guidance, those who are fully vaccinated no longer need to wear masks. But despite that good news, some still have questions about the vaccines before they're ready to roll up their sleeves or they just haven't made the time to get vaccinated. So here to talk more about vaccinating young adults, we have with us Elisa Pacer, Director of Emergency Management with Johnson County Community College. And we also have some Johnson County Department of Health and Environment young adults who are also epidemiologists. And then we also have JCDHE Epidemiology Director Elizabeth Holshue. So just first of all, um, Elizabeth, do you want to talk about the latest on Johnson County reaching population immunity? Particularly our 65 and up population, we have tremendous uptake of the vaccine. Um, Our data shows that over 80%, and it could be as high as almost 90% of that age group has been fully vaccinated, which is excellent because we know that they are at the highest risk for severe illness due to COVID-19, as well as hospitalization and death. Um, But what we're also seeing is that as the age groups decrease, as we get younger in age, um, we're definitely seeing less uptake of the vaccine. Um, You know, even in our 20 and 30 year olds who have been eligible for this vaccine um, since we opened it up to the entire population, we're still only sitting at about 30 or 40 percent of that age group, even being partially vaccinated or fully vaccinated. And so because we're seeing this group not take up the vaccine as much as we would like um, and as much as we really need to, to get to that population immunity, we're really moving into this community immunization events, community vaccine events. Um, And really what that means is instead of asking people to come to our mass vaccination clinics, like our one in Lenexa, or, you know, maybe one of our hospital clinics, we're bringing vaccine to the community, trying to meet community members where they are. Um, And this means, you know, as you're driving down a road in Mission, Kansas, you may see um, our team out there vaccinating. And so the idea behind this is to really remove those barriers. I don't think that this age group is particularly vaccine hesitant, as we call, or or even resistant to getting the vaccine. I think that they're busy and it's just not maybe a priority for them to seek out that appointment or drive for a Lenexa site. But if we provide it to them at some place that's convenient, some place that they already are, there's an increased likelihood that they're just going to go ahead and get it because it's, again, it's not that they don't want it. It's just they haven't made the time in their lives to get it. So for epidemiology, um, Staff members here, if you guys want to introduce yourselves, just tell us a little bit about um, your role with the county. My name is DC Oconta. Um, I'm a, a disease investigator with uh, Johnson County Health Department, and I work primarily uh, providing guidance for the schools here in Johnson County. Hi, I'm Danielle Rothler, and I'm an epidemiologist here at Johnson County Department of Health and Environment. Um, I primarily work with our case investigators and help support them um, in doing case investigations. I help uh, coordinate our whole genome sequencing that we're doing to see which variants are spreading around Johnson County. And I also do what I can to help support um, the vaccine clinic. Uh, Hi, I'm Gabe Hawkins. I'm an epidemiologist as well with the Johnson County Department of Health and Environments. And like DC, uh, I also work with the schools, provide recommendations, help them through situations and help them record data. Hi, I'm Jackson Ward. I'm also an epidemiologist with JCDAG. Um, My primary role 
um, is to work with the case investigators. And then um, additionally, I organize a lot of the Johnson & Johnson vaccinations throughout the county. So just in terms of the interest of getting vaccinated, what are some of the things that we're, we're hearing or seeing among young adults? And any of our EPIs want to take this one? What I've heard from uh, just purely talking to friends and things, um, it's waiting to see what's going to happen with folks who, are, who have already taken it. They wanted to make sure that it's uh, safe for the, for the long term. We're here talking about young adults and getting them vaccinated. And I would assume, uh, based on our conversation here, you all are vaccinated. So can you tell me, uh, why did you decide to get vaccinated? Yeah, I decided to get vaccinated uh, for two main reasons. One, the first reason is because um, I had a family member who got sick, uh, was hospitalized, and uh, eventually died due to uh, COVID-19. And um, I thought it was due, a lot of that was due to some of the misinformation that was being put around, around the start of the pandemic. Um, and then the second reason I got vaccinated is because I, um, I do know that people of color are, uh, are uh, disproportionately burdened by COVID-19, uh, being infected, being hospitalized, and, and even death. Um, so I thought if I got vaccinated, that could spur one person, two people to get vaccinated as well um, and help break those chains of, of transmission among the uh, communities of color. Yeah, so I also have um, different reasons, but two main reasons why I chose to get vaccinated. Um, one was just thinking of my friends and family and doing my part to protect them in the community as a whole. Um, one of my really close friends um, is immune compromised. Um, she has a young child who hasn't been able to get his full uh, series of vaccines and would not qualify for COVID-19 vaccine at this point because of his age. So uh, thinking about my friends and family who are I was missing during stay-at-home orders and earlier in the pandemic. Um, and the second big reason is I actually had COVID. Um, in mid-November, I caught COVID-19, not 100% sure where. Um, it was kind of during that peak of community transmission. Um, fortunately, I was never hospitalized, but I was pretty close. I had some pretty severe symptoms. And so just um, thinking of that and not wanting to go through that again, that was honestly the sickest I had been. I had never had breathing issues before, so it was really scary for me. Um, so um, anything I could do uh, to prevent not being that sick again uh, definitely factored into my decision. Absolutely. All right, Gabe. Uh, well, I got vaccinated. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I like to set a good example. Um, and so I did it and shared it with on social media with everyone, you know, all of my friends and family. Um, another big reason I have um, uh, a few nieces and nephews that I have not seen in some time now, um, uh, two that live uh, just not, not too far away in the Kansas City metro area. Um, and I would really like to see them. My, my daughter was born just a few months before the pandemic started. Uh, and there were a lot of things that we wanted to do with her last summer that we weren't able to because, I mean, we were trying to set a good example to other families and, I mean, and things were shut down. And I really want my daughter to know her cousins and her family. And she hasn't been able to see any in over a year at this point. So uh, I just... You know, I, I want I want to see my family and I want I want my daughter to 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 see these people and for the first time for some of them and, and just get to know them. So, yeah, Jackson. Yeah, so I think the, the primary driver behind 
me wanting to get vaccinated um, was certainly to be closer to family. Um, you know, my, my family does not live in Kansas. So for me to be able to visit them is um, plane rides or long car rides and interacting with lots of individuals and um, the best way to reduce my risk um, and reduce the risk of spreading it to my family or anyone that I would encounter along the way was certainly to get vaccinated. Um, I think also to, to echo Gabe's point, um, as epidemiologists and public health practitioners, it's um, instrumental for us. If we are going to talk to others in the community about getting vaccinated, it's really important for us to share personal experiences. Um, you know, we certainly would not advocate for um, a medical intervention that we would not feel comfortable taking ourselves. And I think um, that's something our whole team takes a lot of pride in is taking that research on, knowing that people in the community look to us um, and making sure that we've done our due diligence so that when people come to us for that subject matter expertise, we're able to speak to that and also provide that um, personal or that anecdotal story that helps them as well. Right. Those are all really great perspectives. And um, Elisa, do you want to also share with us why you decided to get vaccinated? Sure. I'm, I'm happy to. Kind of like what Gabe and Jackson said, I feel like leading our um, crisis here at the Johnson County Community College, that I felt you know, obligated to lead by example, um, make sure that I'm doing all my research, making sure that I'm informed so that I can spread good information. And um, fortunately, um, I work in emergency management under the police department here at the college. And, you know, the police agency itself was one of those first agencies um, able to be vaccinated as critical essential workers. And so what have been some of the, the challenges in terms of getting um, students at the community college vaccinated? I'm, I'm sure now that we're into the summer months, it, the challenges grow a little bit, but can you talk about some of the, the ways you have overcome that? Um, so ways that we are, um, I guess, ways that we are trying to overcome that. Um, we have done two student vaccination clinics with Advent Health um, as a partnership after our um, employee vaccination clinic. Um, they opened it up to see if we wanted to offer to students too. And of course we did. And the disadvantage is one of the ways we communicate with students is via email. And often students don't check their jccc.edu email or student mail account. So just trying to get the information in their hands, um, you know, follow up with some social media um, to include with that. Um, and then coming up this summer, um, in fact, in the next week and a half, we are doing student vaccination clinics on campus um, to try to reach any of those face-to-face -face students that are returning for summer class. Classes, um, that first week of school. So I think one other um, challenge has been just our reduced face-to-face -face classes. Um, if people aren't on campus, you know, that, that's difficult um, just to reach them in general. So um, just communication is probably the largest challenge. And I imagine our, our EPIs would certainly agree with that. So how do you reach um, this demographic? What are the, what are the best ways to, to get the word out that the vaccine is safe and it's very accessible? You can get it in lots of places. I mean, even, you know, as we heard coming to the community college so that you don't have to travel. You hit on a, a great point, especially when you're targeting a younger demographic, um, but also just to the community at large when um, you're trying to reach um, certain people in the community and perform an intervention, it's most important to meet them where they're at. Um, so, you know, it's um, 
when you do have something like this vaccine that's so safe and so effective, um, a lot of times it's just people aren't necessarily thinking about all of those things before they're planning a trip or wherever. So if you meet them when they're out in a location in the community, you meet them um, in a park or at a festival or um, at a Runwell event um, on June 3rd, there are just ways to really meet the community where they're at. It makes it so convenient for them. And then they're more willing to participate, um, especially when you're there, you can answer any questions they may have um, that they may not have the opportunity to at a larger vaccine event. Do you think for young adults, it's it's the convenience that's um, a concern or inhibiting the the getting of the vaccine? Or do you think that there are still lingering questions about whether it's it's safe. I, I know I've heard, you know, concerns about things like fertility and, you know, we're talking about young, young people who may be think, starting to think about their futures and family planning and things like that. So um, what are, what are you hearing? I think that's certainly a factor. Um, you know, convenience is definitely one thing, but uh, we also, you know, there are concerns from individuals where um, they may not understand the whole process, and so they understandably have questions about it. Um, the timeline or um, the fertility um, concerns that some people may have. And um, so I think that's why it's so important to have these smaller events, because you really create that environment where you can have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. Um, let them know that at, you know, the research shows that there are no fertility concerns. Um, you know, it has been proven time and time again, time and time again, to be safe and effective. Um, you know, not only at reducing the risk of hospital transmission, uh, reducing the risk of death, and also, um, you know, just reducing overall any of those um, adverse effects that we are seeing in individuals, especially um, in the individuals that our younger demographic is interacting with. So while we in our 20s and 30s may be less prone to um, experiencing those severe side effects or those severe symptoms, um, hospitalization, we are interacting with our parents or our grandparents or our neighbors um, who rely on us to be uh, protected through the vaccine in order for them to also um, get life closer to normal. Another concern I've heard about is, I, I thought everybody knew this, but of course, you know, I'm in this world every day, but um, some people don't realize that this vaccine is free. Is that something that you all are hearing as well? Personally, I'm hearing a lot of people, they're questioning whether or not they have to pay for and that's inhibiting them from finding a clinic or they don't even know that the health department's even providing access to, that, to those vaccines. They're thinking they have to go to a doctor's office or that their insurance is gonna be charged, but the vaccine is 100% free. You do not have to pay for it. You can go to Johnson County Health Department to uh, or the, our clinic on 108th and in, um, in Lenexa to get the vaccine. Like uh, Jackson said, we have clinics popping up in the community, like the Runwell store on June 3rd, um, Sand Hills Brewery and on June 9th. Um, there are going to be several uh, community events that are going to be available that are free, that are walk-in, that you can come in and get a vaccine. 
That's great. And I know the community clinic concept is a little bit new. We've shifted away from these large vaccine distributions. There was sort of this immediate surge of people who were just very anxious to, to get the vaccine. And we've kind of gone past that. So now, as you all said, you know, we're kind of meeting people where they're at and uh, making it as easy for them to get as possible. But uh, I know at least with the, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines, they do require two doses. So um, maybe we'll start with Elisa, if you want to talk about um, challenges of getting people back for that second dose? Um, I think um, ways that you overcome that is making sure that you communicate good with um, the first dose on where they can get vaccinated, how easy it can be for the second dose. And um, here at the college, we're planning both a June and a July event. So at the first June events, we can definitely market that they can come right back for their second event while they're still in summer school, et cetera. So I'm excited about that opportunity. Um, it's a, a week longer than the 21 day timeframe, but um, definitely an opportunity for them to come back or making sure we have brochures available about the Lenexa clinic, like what um, the folks were talking about. We do have a, a text service that you can use to figure out which clinics are closest to you, which vaccine clinics are closest to you. And uh, that number, it's 438829. So if you text your zip code to that number, it'll tell you which clinics are closest to you. Perfect. All right. Great information there. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more maybe to Gabe, if you want to tell us a little bit about, um, you know, having a new baby in the, the middle of a pandemic. Um, like how, how wonderful is that to be able to get vaccinated and, and to be able to show off your, your baby now? Uh, it's great. Um, I don't want to brag too much, but my wife and I, uh, we put together a pretty beautiful baby. Uh, and it, it was difficult for us uh, last summer when we wanted her to see all of our friends, meet everyone we knew, that everyone was just kind of shuttered away. It was, uh, it was hard not to be able to show her off. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still not past that. It'll probably be, uh, even with the friends and family that have been vaccinated already, it'll still probably be some time before uh, we can do that. Um, we are looking forward to being able to, you know, take her to the pool. Uh, we took her to the Deanna Rose Farmstead a few weeks ago. Um, and, and there are a lot of people there. It may be, it may be a, little, a little nervous not knowing how many of them are vaccinated, but um, I, do, I do feel more relief now that uh, knowing, knowing the numbers that there are as many people out there who have already been vaccinated um, and seeing the people who are coming into the clinics uh, right now, it, it makes me feel a little bit better about taking her out to those places. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the fall and, and all of the, you know, uh, uh, city festivals and things like that, um, that, you know, if things continue to go well, we'll probably open um, and uh, looking forward to being able to take her out there and show her off. That's great. And Daniel, I think your story is an important one to share too, because I think there, there are some misconceptions about young people not being able to get really sick um, uh, and maybe just having asymptomatic um, infections. And so, you know, I myself also had COVID back in September and um, I still have prosmia. So I have altered taste and smell. And so you know, it's something that seriously impacts your, your quality of life, your, your day to day. And so, um, I didn't have the, the issues with the lungs or anything like that, but can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So like I was saying earlier, I caught COVID back in, uh, mid November. I had pretty much every single symptom you've heard the CDC mention on the news, um, difficulty breathing, 
GI issues, uh, complete loss of uh, smell and taste. Um, and, and so, yeah, I do. I think it's important for young people to know that you can get sick. Um, you can get very sick from this. Um, it, fortunately, I'm not having any serious um, super long-term long hauler symptoms. Um, however, it did take a lot longer for me to uh, recover from my COVID infection than I thought. Uh, before I caught COVID, I was in the gym, lifting weights five days a week, doing yoga, going on walks every single day. And for about a month after um, my infectious period um, ended and I was no longer contagious, I could barely walk to the park that's right across the street from my apartment and take a walk. And that is a very moderate uh, activity compared to what I was doing pre-COVID. So fortunately I have seemed to have fully recovered, but it was a very slow process. Um, and with variants and things like that going around, I'm really grateful I had access to the vaccine and was able to get it. Um, recently, um, the CDC announced that um, you have longer protection from the vaccine compared to when you have an actual infection. Um, they think that you have some immunity uh, to COVID for up to six months following the infection at some level, um, but the vaccine so far appears to be longer. So I, I'm really glad I made the decision to get it even though I've already had COVID. Um, and, and yeah, I was pretty serious. It was, it was pretty scary. I talked to my doctor almost every day um, just to make sure that my symptoms weren't getting too serious and that I didn't need to go to the hospital. Um, and then just another thing I want people to know, I, I've heard a lot of people my age say um, they're nervous about the side effects of the COVID vaccine. Um, not that they think it's going to be super debilitating, but that it's going to be annoying and they are at um, increased risk for hospitalization. Um, but as someone who has had both COVID-19 and the vaccine, I would pick the vaccine side effects a million times over um, to avoid having a COVID infection. So um, I think that's important for people to know. Definitely agree. It's, it's not something you want to mess with it, because it, it just it affects people completely differently. I know in my own family, you know, my, my children had very mild infection. My husband had like a leg cramp and then I was sick for weeks. You know, it's just it affects people differently. So um, I, I think that's that's an important message. Doesn't matter your age. You could get very sick if you don't uh, get vaccinated. Um, so just want to do a, one more final around the room on on what message you have to our listeners about why um, why I guess the vaccine is is something that that they should consider. And we'll start with Elisa. I think if we just share the, the benefits of getting the vaccine, I know here on our college campus as of June 1st, um, we're following CDC guidance related to masking and distancing. So if you've had your vaccination and it's two weeks post vaccination and you're fully vaccinated, you can not wear a mask um, in those work areas and um, in those classrooms. So that's a huge benefit for folks if we've, if we've come a long way. So, um, and I know we have lots of other precautions that we have at the college community, the daily wellness check that we ask folks to do. Um, we're still doing case management and reporting and tracking um, cases on campus. Um, of course, good hand washing and um, cleaning surfaces. So we have lots of precautions in place. And I think just sharing the benefits and um, making the information available to our students so that they know where they can go. 
just to make sure everyone stays safe. I mean, there are things that um, as a you know 30 year old young man, I want to do. I want to you know go out, hang out with my friends. I want to um, go to brunch. I want to travel. Um, I want to hang out with my family um, in the safe in the safest way possible. Like doing all those things, do all those things, but do all those things um, in a safe way and in the in a manner that is the lowest risk possible. And doing and getting the vaccine um, will provide that low risk. Um, it's safe. It's effective. Um, it's extremely quick. You come through the clinics. Two two appointments if you get the Pfizer or Moderna. One appointment if you have the John, if you get the Johnson and Johnson, it's very quick, very easy. Um, if you find one of us at the clinic, we're very nice people. I, I promise you, you will not bite. <laughs> so um, get the vaccine. Um, continue to or go back to doing what you uh, love to do, hanging out with your people, um, going out to restaurants, traveling, doing all those things. Um, that way we can get to some sort of uh, normal. We want to get back to seeing our people and doing that in a safe way. Um, the, the vaccine's safe. I'm so happy that I got it. Um, and, and doing vaccination, it's such energizing work as someone who's been working in public health since the beginning of this pandemic and doing case investigation and answering questions and helping businesses be compliant with COVID recommendations that we have. Um, being able to vaccinate people is so energizing. It helps us see that there's an end in sight and that we're actually doing something positive. So, um, yeah. All right, Gabe, final thoughts? Um, not too much different from what the others have said, but I mean, the, I mean, the main thing you, you hear from friends, family, I mean, people who call into the health departments, at, the main thing is just everyone wants to things to go back to normal. Um, and really the only way that happens uh, is herd immunity and everybody doing their part to get back to normal. Um, so, you know, if you're one of those people who wants to, you know, start going to Royals games and tailgating and going to the pool and doing all the things that, you know, before 2020, we kind of took for granted, then, I mean, just do your part and go out and get vaccinated. All right, Jackson. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing our team has noticed throughout, you know, working on this since the very first case of COVID is how much of a game changer this vaccine was for us. Um, you know, a lot of the pandemic response from an epidemiologist perspective, until you have an effective treatment or um, prevention mechanism like a vaccine, it's a lot of treading water. Um, you know, it's a lot of we do our best and the community does their best, but you know, that virus's goal is to spread throughout the community. And, um, you know, when we were able to have such an incredible vaccine um, that has been proven time and time again to be safe and effective. Um, and the more we learn about these vaccines, uh, the more optimistic I think we all get. Um, you know, the CDC continually expands how long um, the, the immunity is showing um, and how long it's lasting for after vaccination. Um, it's continually showing promising reductions in risk and hospitalizations and severity of cases and transmission. Um, so I, I think this vaccine has been incredibly successful um, and the rollout is doing its job. And now it's really up to um, the community. You know, they've, they've been doing their part this entire pandemic, staying home, wearing their masks, um, you know, physically distancing away from others. And this is really that last piece of the puzzle to get back to normal is getting that vaccine, um, 
you know, getting that immune protection, waiting out that two weeks after you've completed your vaccine series, and then really getting to enjoy all those things you wanted to do again. Um, you know, seeing your family, um, going, like Gabe said, going out to sporting events or uh, restaurants or all of those things. And, um, you know, you can do those things safe and effectively, but you can do that even more so after the vaccine. All right. Great information. I thank you all for being here today to talk about this very important subject. And hopefully some of our listeners have gathered some some good information or incentive, at least, to, to consider getting vaccinated. Well, Johnson County, is, as we said, has walk-in clinic availability. You can also schedule a vaccine appointment. And please don't forget to get that second shot with the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. And then you need to wait that two weeks after that last shot to be fully vaccinated. Get much more information and book your appointment, jococov.org forward slash coronavirus. Thanks for listening. You just heard Joko on the go. Join us next time for more Everything Johnson County. Have a topic you want to discuss? We want to hear from you. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at jococov. For more on this podcast, visit jococov.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.